Hey guys, it's Gary Vaynerchuk, and this is the Gary V Audio Experience. In this keynote, Gary gives a talk to a bunch of entrepreneurs at the RISE conference in Hong Kong about staying ahead of ever-changing platforms, mapping your actions to maximize every minute you have available as an entrepreneur, and what happens to attention when platforms copy each other. Hello, Hong Kong. Thanks for hanging around. Uh, <laughs> I will try to uh, deliver. Um, so one thing I've been thinking a lot about as I've been spending time um, walking the conference hall and, and spending the day today in Hong Kong is just the diversity in the audience of where we come from, what we're trying to achieve. And I, I gave a lot of thought to, what do I really want to deliver in this keynote? What, how do I bring value? I think one of the things that, you know, when I think about products or services, and definitely when I speak or create content, how do you bring value? Like, what's, what's the trade here? I'm getting your attention, I wanna bring you value in return. And the thing that really stands out for me is the one thing that I'm confident in, the one thing that I'm absolutely confident in is what attaches all of us what is the one common theme, whether you're a startup, whether you're a professional, whether you're a student, solo entrepreneur, large company, starting tomorrow? What is the one thing that guarantees uh, a connection point that we can all agree on and get value out of the framework that I create here? And I think that comes down to one simple thing, that no matter what you're doing in this room, whether you're trying to raise money for a nonprofit or you're trying to sell a FinTech product, or trying to raise capital for what you're trying to achieve, the one thing that we all trade on in this room is attention. The thing that allows me the luxury to stand here in front of you guys today is that I have had a very successful career over the last 20 years on trading attention. Basically, all I ever think about is your attention. Where is it? and how do I create content there to drive whatever I'm trying to achieve. So when I think about the connection point for this audience, it's predicated on attention. Where are the eyeballs, where are the ears, where are they, and how do you trade on them? Now, the way we trade in the environment we live on today is this is it. Like anybody who doesn't understand that this is the single most important thing on earth besides your health is making enormous, enormous mistakes. Now obviously that's a hyperbolized statement, but if you want to be relevant, if you're sitting in this conference right now and this is not your religion, you're in deep shit. And you're in deep shit because every second that goes by, whatever the consumer's attention was on, it is going here. And will there be a day when this goes away? Absolutely. But for now, it all comes down to trading attention in the reality of the moment we're in. And that reality sits in that device and it sits on platforms that have been able to become layers on top of that device. And in every country, whether it's mainland China versus Russia versus the US versus Indonesia, every country is gonna have its dynamics of which three to seven to nine platforms were able to penetrate and layer themselves on top of here. And then once that is established, it is everybody's job in here to produce stories, whether in written 
audio or video form to be in those platforms to basically tell your story. And you need to basically explain to me the value prop of what you're bringing to the table in that environment. And the big vulnerability is, if you've been a marketer or operator or entrepreneur for the last 20 years, like I have, the shit changes. In 1996, 1997, in the US market, I created an e-commerce wine business. That was smart, because other wine stores weren't doing it. Then there was this thing called email. And I had, how many people here have done email or do email marketing for their business? Raise your hand. High, raise it high, don't be shy. Great. So for some of us that have been doing it for a little bit longer, in 1997, I had 90% open rates on a 200,000 person email newsletter. It wasn't because the email was so incredible, all I wanted to do was sell you Bordeaux. It was that nobody else was doing it, and so the attention arbitrage was in my favor. If you read email in the late 90s, there's a lot of youngsters here. If you read email in 1997, you read them all. (laughs) And so, that was my first foray in getting an arbitrage. Then Google AdWords came out, and I bought every wine term on Google for five cents a click, and Google AdWords were grossly underpriced. The market underpriced the attention of people searching for products on Google or services or information, and I was able to make an arbitrage there. And then it was YouTube, and then it was Twitter, and then it was Facebook, and then Instagram, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Punchline being very simple. If you are not sitting and debating on an everyday basis on how you, as a human or as a company, act like a modern-day media publisher, how you communicate, whether in written, audio, or video form, and then which platforms are underpriced and overpriced, you're basically missing the punchline. It doesn't matter how good, bad, or indifferent your product or service is. If nobody knows about it, you are vulnerable. And the thing that I'm curious about is where everybody in this room is on their life cycle. Because if you've had success for three or four years, you might have fallen in love with what got you here. The biggest concern I have, and I see some heads nodding already, is what got you here today is always the thing that's not gonna get you to tomorrow. The problem is for anybody that's had any level of success, you become very romantic and you fall in love with the maneuver that got you here. And so I have been fascinated and now as I project the next two decades, it's fascinating how quickly our attention shifts. For example, for me, if you asked me today, what am I most paying attention to? Where do I see the next arbitrage? It's absolutely around audio. I am obsessed with what's going in the US market, not only around podcasts, and this is global, but especially around what's going on with Alexa from Amazon, Google Home, and the future Apple HomePod. When you think about sound, you know, one of the great mistakes of my career was passing on the Uber Angel round at $4 million valuation twice. When I later invested, when it was a $50 million valuation, the reason I invested was not because I saw anything other than I realized that Uber was selling time, not transportation. 
the one thing I promise you is that every single person here besides the health and well-being of their family and money values time. And time is emerging very quickly. If you take a look, and this is extremely prevalent through the Asian market, European market, South American market, US market, time's value is exceeding on an everyday basis. As we become more busy, we start valuing time tremendously, tremendously. That is what Uber and other transportation apps have traded on. It's saving you time. Even the perception of time is a good business model. But the thing that I think I'm very fascinated by is how much sound and audio will be selling back to you time founded that you used to not have. When you watch a video, which I think we can all agree video content is scaling in importance and is absolutely in the prime of its medium right now, when you're looking at video, it is taking up your time. Audio is incredibly passive and you are able to multitask. The other thing that is extremely fascinating to me is the first five to seven minutes of every person in here's morning. And when I think about the potential of sound devices interacting with us and giving us our briefings or our 10 things we need to know, the reason I chose Rise, Hong Kong crowd, the reason I chose to focus on sound right away is I'm obsessed with figuring out how do I bring value while I stand up here today. I'm aware and see very early clear indications by consumer behavior that no matter what's going on with your business now, whether you are the leader or you are somebody who's trying to win marketplace, the great flaw of so many businesses and individuals here is they spend so much time trying to catch up in the current game They don't spend enough time anticipating the next game and being a first mover. One of the great things about the era of social media is if you sucked at YouTube or Facebook, inevitably Snapchat and Instagram were coming next. It's the great thing, it's the terrible thing. It sucks having a 20 year career where you've been right a lot and you know that it only lasts for a little bit and that something will emerge that you have to be right about again because you will be arbed out of your leadership role because the attention of our consumer will shift. It's exciting because you always know that if you struggled with the current landscape, you have another chance in 24 or 36 months as our attention continues to shift. What is always true and forever true is that quality content will always have a competitive advantage. What is completely misunderstood is you don't get to be the judge of quality content. The audacity of the media or thought leaders or successful individuals or just a person that they get to judge what is quality content has been the opening that so many people can take advantage of. Content is subjective. The market decides what's good and bad. Not you pondering what's good and bad over a beer with your best friends. So we need to spend a lot less time debating quality and we need to start thinking a lot more about clear indicators that quantity and distribution really, really matter. If you are an artist that produces music It is now only practical to produce a new song every week and put it on SoundCloud and Spotify and every platform that you can. And so 
the thing that I'm trying to force down energy-wise in this keynote is the following. Number one, no matter what you do for a living, you need to think of yourself as a media company, your company. If you were a SaaS tech, you were a media company, comma, SaaS tech. If you were a consumer social network, you were a media company, comma, social network. If you're a human being, you're a media company, comma, human being. When you wrap your head around that, you start understanding what you should be doing, which is, in your natural way, producing stories for people to consume to bring awareness to what you do. Let me explain. Number one, you have to figure out which medium over-indexes for you. So many people are trying to be something that they think is emerging, like a, do you know, guys, do you know how hard it is to live stream and keep people's attention? Like, it is difficult to be good enough on live video that's worth watching and keeping people there. That takes an enormous amount of skill. So, instead of worrying that video is emerging, because nobody, nobody 36 months ago said, you know what's gonna get cool again? Radio. Nobody saw serial or podcast emerging at the level globally that we've seen. So one thing I can promise you is nothing new is gonna happen. The same mediums of communication, which are the framework to awareness to any product service movement or anything else, will always stay the same. What you need to do and your organization need to do is figure out, are you a writer? Are you a voice? Are you a video producer? And then really start focusing on that and the contextual platforms that allow you to distribute that message. This is the game and this game is not changing. This game will not change when we go into an augmented virtual reality world. This game will not change. This is human communication. The people that drew the best pictures in caves won. The guy who did the best smoke signals on a fucking mountain won. And it's tried and true over and over again. The only thing that changes is the mediums. And the thing that everybody has to focus on is not content. Everybody talks about content is king. Meanwhile, everybody's missing that context is the queen and she runs the fucking household. And what we are not doing is respecting context enough in the current landscape of communication and that is where the magic sits. I have been able to over-index when I audit other places that are able to over-index, they are respecting the context. They don't dismiss hashtags. They don't dismiss filters. They don't dismiss the nuance of how long is the read on Medium. They don't dismiss the first three seconds of a YouTube video. They don't dismiss, they don't dismiss, they don't dismiss. I see a Facebook post, I see a post, I analyze every piece of word in the copy, the screenshot that is the default, the engagement, all of it. All of it matters and communication is what brings awareness to what you have. The best way to sell, my friends, is to have it come to you. The best way to have it come to you is to produce something that is relevant to your audience and understand how to distribute it. And so that is the punchline. I'm gonna, I'm gonna veer off for a few minutes. I'll come back to it, but I wanna try to check a couple of boxes here while I'm here. I wanna speak to the, uh, how many people here are entrepreneurs and run their own business? Raise your hands. Perfect. I wanna speak about this for a second. I think there's a couple things I'd love, you know, one man's point of view, just a couple of random thoughts. Number one, one more time, entrepreneurs. 
We have it so good. This is the greatest era of entrepreneurship ever. I want you to realize how grateful you should be because your grandparents and your great-grandparents didn't have it this good. The practicality of what the, guys, we are underestimating the internet to a level that would blow your mind off. The internet is the greatest thing that has ever happened to the human race. People will be pessimistic about it, but this is an incredible change of, how many people in this room remember the world pre-internet? Raise your hand. Shit's crazy, right? Like, for the ones that don't, you can't even wrap your head around how big of a shift this is. So number one, to every entrepreneur here, your great-grandmother wanted to be an entrepreneur too, but it wasn't practical, because she had to pay the bills and do her thing, and she couldn't work on it at 9 p.m. at night. It's not how the world worked. So one, if you are not taking this opportunity for what it is, you've already already put yourself in second place. This is the moment. Number two, entrepreneurship got popular. And that means it's dangerous. Because there's a lot of people that raise their hands that have entrepreneurial tendencies and aren't necessarily entrepreneurs. Just because you say you're an entrepreneur doesn't mean you're a successful entrepreneur. And the reason I bring that up is not to be like, I'm cool, you're not, or anything of that nature. There's just one very important thing that is not being discussed enough. We talk about working smart and having the right strategy and having the the right product. I'm stunned by how much pushback there is when I talk about working hard. There is no, zero people you know that have built a successful business without working their face off. There are people that have inherited money. There are people that have had that dynamic, but you know nobody nor does the world that has started from zero and built something substantial that hasn't put in a disproportional amount of work to get there. It is the one utterly controllable aspect of our game, and if you really want this, please really start thinking about maximizing every minute. That doesn't mean neglecting your family. That doesn't mean neglecting your health, but I am stunned as somebody who's spending an enormous amount of time in this ecosystem by how many people have the ambition and their mouth is running to what they're gonna accomplish and their actions don't map to it at all. And so I please, I, I, I beg you to realize how lucky you are to be in the game during a time where there's so much infrastructure that gives us a great chance to make it practical and I just want to remind everybody, the global economy has been really good for a while now. For some of the other people in this room that remember the world pre-internet, the good times don't last forever. This fucking conference existed in 2000, and everybody got a job after shit hit the fan. So please take advantage and go hard because when shit hits the fan and there's no funding and you run out of money and you have to go work at UBS, you would have wished that you would have worked fucking harder during this era. What else? That's the big one, man, fuck. I, you know, it's funny, I appreciate that one. You know, it's just really practical. Like when it's good, and when you have it on your side, it's important to squeeze as hard and as fast as you can, because it's hard to get to the other side. 
And there's, you know, when I look around this room, there's so many youngsters. If you've never tasted the shit era, if you weren't operating in 2008 and nine, if you weren't operating in year 2000, you just don't know. It's not your fault. This is the landscape that you've worked on. You, this has been the environment for the last eight or nine years. It's very difficult to know what the alternatives look like. Let me help you what the alternatives look like. Your fucking idea is not worth $4 million. Right? You don't just, your, your B round isn't, guys, I invested in Tumblr in 2009 in its B round at a $14 million valuation. You know, it's a different landscape and it takes real skill to navigate through those times so you have to take advantage of it right now. Couple of things that I'm really paying attention to. The things that I am passionate about being underpriced, which are social networks that have true marketplace ad platforms. So let me say it carefully, because I know we, a lot of us play in different markets. If you have a social network at scale, where all of the pricing of the ad inventory is based on supply and demand market dynamics. The Facebooks and the Googles and the things of that world. The thing that I want a lot of the startups and entrepreneurs to understand here is the following. The Fortune 1000, the 5,000 biggest companies in the world are grossly underspending on these platforms. They are grossly underspending on these platforms. As somebody who lived through the word wine being five cents a click and then being $9, let me explain to you what's going to happen over the next 36 to 48 months. As these companies wake up and realize they're pouring good money down the trash on television commercials and billboards and all this other horse shit in a 2018 environment, they're gonna take that money and they're gonna move it to these marketplaces. And the cost of you penetrating the end consumer's attention will grossly excel in cost deeming them less of a good deal than they are today. There will be a day when I go to fucking Rise or Web Summit or whatever fuck Patty tells me to go. <laughs> there will be a day where I stand right here and I will say, you're still doing social networks? You're an idiot. Not because anything other than two dynamics will happen. Number one, we will be more conditioned to feed dynamics and start tuning out the ads. And number two, the proper level of investment from the biggest companies in the world will go there, deeming the platform appropriately priced, not underpriced. Once you put your hole in where the water's coming out, somewhere else will emerge. For me, as a Russian immigrant who had a family business, we didn't have a lot of money, I had $13,000 in advertising budget for the entire year, every penny mattered, and that's why I found myself to email in Google AdWords. If I had millions of dollars, I would have bought the Wall Street Journal and television commercials and all that other horseshit. This dynamic for this room matters tremendously because we are sitting right now in the last 20 years in one of the great arbitrage moments. Right now, these social networks at scale with market dynamic prices are grossly underpriced, and number two, and even more extremely underpriced, depending on the market, we are living through the great boom of the early influencer marketing dynamics where influencers are so underpriced after you take away the top 1%, that 99%, of influencers or KOLs or whatever the fuck you want to call them are so grossly 
underpriced right now that everybody will look back to this five to seven year era and be sad that they didn't pour more money into that price point, into that ecosystem. And so for me, as I sit here today, I get excited because I know the people that act on these arbitrages are gonna disproportionately win. One thing that is never talked about and will be in the history books is how much Amazon used Google AdWords to build their business. One thing that is long forgotten is how much eBay used Google AdWords to build their business. We have these moments and you need to take advantage of them. And so I implore you that if you're still just headline reading and you've made your decision on the ROI of WeChat or Facebook or Snapchat or whatever it may be, that you get educated because the amount of people in this room that are headline readers and are not practitioners is stunning. We are in a complete ecosystem right now of headline readers who read one or two, three things and they form their opinions. A lot of people here tonight over a glass of wine are gonna debate the value of something that they've never executed on. And in that, in that human vulnerability where you only headline read and you talk about shit you don't know is the arbitrage. So the current ARB, social network marketplace dynamics, influencers. My intuition on the emerging arbitrage, voice. Between podcasting and skill-based AI voice dynamics, super interesting. Other than that, all overpriced shit. We've got billions of dollars being poured into 30 second commercials that nobody's watching. We've got billions of dollars being poured into programmatic banner and pre-roll inventory that nobody gives a shit about. And so we have a big disconnect, which means when you have such a dynamic, you have the biggest companies in the world wasting their money, this is when the opportunity for emergence is. And so we live through these times with these dynamics in play, while at the same time, both in the US and China, we have an incredibly interesting moment that is an absolute fear for a lot of entrepreneurs, which is the big incumbents have never been quicker to copy features to not allow startups to gain momentum. And what you see in China and definitely in the US with Facebook and Instagram is now starting to bleed into the B2B environment and clearly into the B2C environment. So we have an era right now where the vulnerability of a land grab of consumers and attention is a difficult one if the incumbent leaders are viewing your business as a feature versus an actual business. Now, to me, that's exactly how it should be. This notion that Facebook should have sat around and let Snapchat grow is laughable. There's never been a time when a competitor goes, oh, that's nice, and had very little cost to compete with it, and they let it happen. This romantic point of view from a creative or a product standpoint will no longer be in play in our ecosystem. So as you navigate your product and service, you've gotta live under the dynamics that the cat is now out of the bag and that you have to move even quicker to penetrate your market than ever belong. And so we live through an era right now where speed is no question the variable of success. And that's why I'm gonna end with the following. The most important thing for speed for your company and your service is your internal culture. The number one thing 
that will make your company go fast is continuity and lack of politics, which means we are on the dawn of the era where emotional intelligence is about to become the single most important trade. That skills through technology growth will continue on a daily basis to be commoditized. But your emotional capabilities to interact with others will become a very, very important trade. I highly recommend, how many people here have a company with more than 10 people? Raise your hand. I highly, highly, highly recommend that if you take anything away from my talk, fuck voice, fuck fucking arbitrage, take this one thing away from me. You better go home and audit every single employee you have and you better figure out which employee makes the other employees miserable. I don't give a shit if it's your number one salesperson, your best fucking developer, or your co-founder. Cancer spreads. With cancer and politics comes lack of speed. Your company will get much slower because people are sitting around debating how miserable they are or worried to have meetings with other individuals. Your company will get slow in a world where the speed of product output features and how you interact with your customers has never been greater. So I implore a tech-centric, financial-centric, type A room like this to go home and get really in tune with their fucking feelings. In my company, the number two person is not the CFO or the CEO, a COO, excuse me. The number two person after me is Claude Silver. She is the chief heart officer. She's the head of HR, call it what you want. It is no question the biggest variable to our success. It is never and I mean ever, been more important for you to care about the internal feelings, culture. Let me tell you how you do not build culture. You do not build culture by having free snacks in your cafeteria. <laughs> Let me tell you how you do not build culture. You do not build culture by having a foosball table or open seating. You build culture by actually talking to people one by one and understanding what they care about. And what you will learn is some people want money and some people want time with their family and some people want title and some people want creativity and it is your job. How many people are the CEO of their company? It is your job to know every single one of those things about every single person every single day, because 23-year-old Sally at 27 wants different shit. 31-year-old Charlie at 34 wants different shit. It is time that this ecosystem starts paying attention to the human elements that will drive our businesses to the next level. This is a conversation we are not having, and it is the conversation in the next decade. Thank you. Podcast listeners, I really appreciate you giving me your ear. I respect it. I appreciate it. You want to one-star this shit? Cool. But if you want to five-star it, even better.